0: I had no idea that all your theatres are basically controlled by the government. That you cannot get anything into the theatre unless you go through the government and they approve what you are saying and that it can be in Canada.
1: I am a husband, a father, a lawyer, a Christian, and a proud Canadian. I started this series because it was clear that our nation needs truth. Not just another biased narrative, but real information of substance. We need access to facts and the freedom to think for ourselves. I'm Leighton Gray, and this is Gray Matter. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Gray Matter. Well, You know, it's hard to imagine for some people that not much more than a year ago, in places like Alberta, Canada, and California, and the United States, we were locked down. Uh, we were restricted in where we could go and what we could do and how far apart we were supposed to stand from each other. and We were wearing masks. Well, one of the things that is troubling about that time, that period of the pandemic, and isn't talked about enough, is how the church responded. How the Christian churches in Canada and the United States responded to being locked down, to, be, to being told that their churches had to close, to restrict... The number of people who could attend and the ways that they could worship, having to stand six feet apart, not being able to share fellowship or take communion. Well, we have a guest on today who has actually had the opportunity to create and and direct and write a new film called The Essential Church about that uh, really important time in our history and to document that for us. And his name is Shannon Halliday. Welcome to the program Shannon, it's great to see you again.
0: Oh it's great seeing you, thanks
1: for having me on. Well I remember well having you and your entire crew in my office and you guys just took over. You were so professional and uh, I'm actually very proud and excited uh, to have a small, small role uh, in this new documentary. that, Which I understand is coming out, it's going to premiere on the 23rd of July, right? It's premiering there, but really it's coming out the 28th. That's our big
0: day, July 28th in the States. Uh, we're hoping to have a, a
1: theatrical release nationwide. Okay. So I'm um, excited to talk to you about this. I know that you wrote this the script to this movie and that you've also uh, been the director. A couple of my uh, clients, uh, both of whom who have been guests on this program, are, I guess, stars are featured in the film. We're going to dive into it. Before we go there, as we always do, we're going to frame our discussion with a few uh, aphorisms, quotations. Uh, the first one is uh, from Thomas Jefferson, uh, who wrote that the constitutional freedom of religion is the most inalienable and sacred of all human rights. Secondly, from another giant of the American constitutional period, Thomas Paine, wrote that spiritual freedom is the root of political liberty as the union between spiritual freedom and political liberty seems nearly inseparable. It is our duty to defend both. And finally, from a man we're going to talk about today, uh, who is very important to uh, the the movie, and of course the church that that uh, is behind it all, Mr. John MacArthur, who was quoted as saying, "In a world of selfishness, greed, inequi- inequity, and injustice, believers need to be set apart by their consuming love for God." and their sacrificial love for others. That's the kind of holy living that brings salt and light to this dark, decaying world. So I wanna start off uh, with you, Shannon, by maybe talking a little bit about your background. I know that um, you've been involved in filmmaking for some time, uh, living in California. Uh, how did you come to be involved with, uh, with, with Grace Church and your current role uh, directing and and creating films for them
0: yeah so i didn't actually grow up in los angeles i grew up in san diego and um i i i was in college and i took an acting class my mother was an actress off broadway and broadway stuff and i needed to do something my kids or my uh my parents were like you need to go to school and so um <laughs> i took uh i took an acting class and fell in love with it and um it basically it just consumed me i wasn't a christian at the time although i thought that i was i said that i was i would have intellectually said yes i'm a believer but uh, there was no fruit of salvation in my life um no fruit of faith really um so i was living my life for me and um i dropped everything dropped out of school and moved to la and i was going to pursue acting um and became friends with a gentleman who went to Grace Community Church. Um, And one of the acting classes that I took a long time ago, we were writing down goals. And it was really important to me to still kind of hang on to God, if you will. Um, And I wrote on one of my goals, strengthen my relationship with God. But I really never did anything about that. And I was just pursuing acting in LA became friends with this gentleman who really was a Christian who was kind of like leaving the acting scene at that time, but he kept inviting me to church. We became friends. And so I went and I went to Grace Community Church at the time. I had no idea what it was or anything like that. Um, I just remember my first Sunday there. um, I sat down and the sermon, I forget what the sermon was, but it ended with the return of Christ and uh, this idea that Christ was literally going to return and that his feet were going to touch this earth and he was gonna stand there, the resurrected Christ. And that was a concept that just kind of blew me away. I'd I'd never thought about that before. Um, So, and I remember these two little old ladies in the front row and the the pastor says, and isn't that gonna be great? And they were like, yeah, that's gonna be awesome. (laughs) And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. Um, and I just kept going, um, and I started uh, attending a Bible study, and they were studying the book of James. It was the first book I ever really studied, and I don't know if you're familiar with the book of James, but it did really-
1: I am, yeah, yeah. The brother, brother to our to our Lord, yes, yeah,
0: and he he um, was pointing out how works are the result of your faith that mm-hmm. that they are the fruit of your faith and that if you say you're a believer but you really don't obey christ you don't live for him and it's not evident in you then how can you say you actually have faith and right. and i was just floored by that and that affected me and i don't know when i became a christian that year this was probably 96 um and i don't know when i became a christian that year because so was... you were
1: only what five or six years old at the time <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, thank you. I guess I look that young. I, I'll, take it. I'll take you your
1: child prodigy.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it was a long time ago. It doesn't seem that long ago, but it was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, so I don't know when I became a Christian that year, but I did. And I recognized that I was a sinner and that I needed Christ as my savior. I recognized that he was my king. Um, I want, I had a desire to read the Bible then. I had a prayer life. I was convicted over my sin. I was confessing it to the Lord. And I realized, you know what? I'm a Christian now. I wasn't growing up. I thought it was. But I really am now. And I'm going to direct my life around Christ. And my Mm -hmm. desires changed for acting. Uh, You
1: know, I I want to get into the film. But part of what you just said uh, opens up kind of an interesting uh, conversation I'd like to have with you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to some of the interviews um, surrounding the... uh, the, the much-promoted new film that's going to star Jim Caviezel, and of course he's one of the best-known Christian actors in in Hollywood. And in one of the interviews uh, that I listened to, he was asked about what it's like being a Christian in Hollywood, and he related something that Mel Gibson said to him. And he and, he, uh, and Mel Gibson said, "You know, the secret is." uh to not spend too much time standing in front of the fruit of the forbidden tree staring at the apples. So having said that, uh what what is it like being a person of faith, a Christian, you know, living in this living and working in this world uh where you've been in, in Los Angeles and Hollywood, where, you know, let's face it, the, the temptations are so great. Um there seem to be all manner of, of things um uh, going on there. Um, what What's it like being a person of faith and sort of working in that world?
0: Yeah. You know, I think this is, it's really interesting because it's a great segue to what the movie's about, which is the church. And the reality right. is, is in God's sovereignty, he put me at a really solid church, a church right. that taught the Bible. John MacArthur exposits the Bible. He doesn't, right give his opinions Uh, i'm sure he has them but his job every day is to get up there and put the word of god out there into the congregation very
1: very scriptural isn't he yeah
0: Yeah. and it's in context and you understand the meaning of the scripture and the scripture has one correct interpretation and you can know that so you know if, if paul wrote a letter to the church in rome You know, it has, he he was expressing a specific, he was communicating a message to those believers that they should be able to understand. And I should be able to understand what was being communicated to them. And when I understand that, I can apply it to myself. So the point Uh is, is that I was going to a very biblically sound church. And that helped me stay on that path to to kind of say, to see the forbidden fruit, as you called it, for what it really is. And that it's not going to satisfy me. It's not going to give me fulfillment christ is my only fulfillment my only satisfaction and the reality is when you go to a biblical church you're constantly reminded that you're a dead man walking you're right. you're dead we're we're yeah. dead and we're we're dead because adam's yeah. nobody's nobody's Adam. getting
1: out of here alive yeah right.
0: exactly we're all going to end up in a pine box and we're going to stand before god so then really what is the forbidden fruit going to do for me it's all yeah. rubbish really yeah. it's all rubbish yeah. compared to christ yeah. Yeah. It's like that. So, yeah. Parable. Yeah. Sorry. It's like that parable where Jesus says, the gospel is like that man who found a treasure in this land and he sold everything he had and bought that land so he could have that treasure. The point is, is that he saw the world as rubbish compared to that treasure that he found. And Christ is our right. Shepherd. So when you go yes. to a church, good, solid church, this is why church is important. You go to a church, you're attending a church, you're part of that congregation. The word of God is being preached. It's a true and a live, living church then you know that helps you stay on the narrow path and see hollywood for what it really is and and that was a huge blessing and that's god's sovereign hand in my
1: life so then extending that into your filmmaking which is of course your vocation your profession what you've dedicated your professional life to um a big part of what you're doing then is your truth telling through your film and that's a big part of what's going on in the essential church right
0: yeah, that's right. Um, we saw this as an opportunity to tell the truth about a story of how things unfolded, And it really kind of its genesis came from the fact that when we decided to open, a lot of people left our church. A lot of people yeah. were upset with us and thought we were doing the wrong thing. Right. And they thought that John MacArthur went off the rails. They thought we were all just going along with it and um you couldn't tell them otherwise and you couldn't convince them yeah. otherwise and so the idea became well what if we made a movie about this that kind of pulled back the curtain even on our own church and showed the process that our elders and what the church had to go through to come to the conclusion that we're actually going to sue the government and we're going right. to take a stand and take it to them legally yeah um, you, you know if you would have told me before covid that grace church was going to sue the government i would have said no way we're a church that teaches that you should submit to the government that the government Mm -hmm. ordained by god and the bible says that but that's the interesting thing is that there is another side to the coin when understanding that and um people that left were only looking at the one side of the coin and we wanted to make sure we showed that other side of the coin by doing this film right Um, so it's just a great story to tell too this is you know, at the time, I don't know if people realize how kind of historical this was. And we want to make sure that we, we, you know, put our stake in the ground and that people remember what happened and tell that story and tell it well.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, the, this um, uh, reminds me of a, of a couple of uh, things. Firstly, um, one of the people who was in the film, as you know, is Pastor James Coates, who I had the honor of representing as his lawyer in canada and and, uh he's part of the grace church family and i recall having a conversation with uh pastor coates during a break we were walking around downtown edmonton during the trial and we stopped and talked with a street preacher and he recognized uh, james immediately and hugged him and uh, thanked james for everything he was doing and then after that conversation we were heading back to court James sort of went a little bit dark, and he he, he looked at me. He said, "You know, it I, it really disappoints me that the church is not doing more." And he's talked about the church broadly, not standing up for you know for for freedom, and you know that reminded me then of of of, of something else that ha- that actually came later. We had uh, an author named Eric Metaxas on the show. You probably are familiar with his work. He's written many brilliant yeah. books about Martin Luther and Dietrich yeah. Bonhoeffer.
0: Yeah, I've read but he's also that.
1: written a recent book uh, called The Letter to the American Church, where he basically says the same thing, but he goes further. And he says that what's happening in the American church, and he means not just the American church, but really the church in the West, I would say, um, that um, they they are making the same mistake that the church in Germany made during the Nazi period, where if enough of the pastors had stood up to the tyranny that was happening there it probably could have prevented the holocaust the holocaust now that's a theory but but the church had that role it had that it had that ability to influence people at that time and so the, it, the, i i say that just to sort of set up your our discussion about the about this movie And what it documents, because it not only documents what happened during the lockdowns, but it has a deeper message like that, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it really does. And when I think about what happened in World War II and those pastors not standing up, I think it was a lack of understanding that spiritual warfare is in all spheres of life. Yeah. Um, I think in the American church, specifically in our circles of Grace Community Church, I think we see spiritual warfare primarily as pointing out false teachings, false teachings about the Bible, false teachers, health, wealth, prosperity, gospel, or trying to, you know, just kind of take grandma's money and promise them that they're going to heal them and stuff like that. But (laughs) don't actually do that. Like, you know, we, you know, or just, uh, aberrant theology and that's all spiritual warfare. It absolutely is. And you have to speak to that to defend and protect the church. But um I think that there is this problem where people in the church see the government as neutral, that yes. they're a neutral entity, and then it's not a realm where that they should care about, or that um that they they don't bring their Christian worldview into it. Um right. you know, the prophetic word um doesn't compartmentalize itself if and if we're going to speak the prophetic word the word of god then we bring that into all spheres of life and that means that we need to bring it into the political sphere as well so that we can discern what is good what is righteous and what is evil um Mm -hmm. and we uh we need to do that to protect the church so i agree with eric on that um and that's one reason why it was very important for me and that's where your role came in and you did an excellent job by the way Thank when we, you. <laughs> when we talked about our political leaders, mm-hmm. uh, and we when we did more deep dive into who they are, we see this this Marxist way of thinking, this Marxist mm-hmm. philosophy. Whether they actually call themselves Marxists or not, I don't know. Maybe they do mm-hmm. privately in their own home. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Marxists, they they clearly have a Marxist influence and a Marxist worldview, and how they are. Um, implicating and executing the policies that they put forth um, right. for the people to submit to. And when that comes to the church, Christians need to realize where that's coming from. It's not coming yeah. from a neutral source. That's spiritual right. warfare. It's coming from a worldview that is antithetical to what the Bible teaches.
1: Yeah. One, one of the amazing things about uh, about Grace Church uh, is how how prepared they seem to have been Uh, for the pandemic. In fact, um, I noticed in one of the trailers, there's an old uh, recording of of one of uh, Mr. MacArthur's sermons where he actually talks about, you know, what would happen? What would we do if they tried to shut down the church? It was like from 1975 or something. And uh, there's a quotation on here uh, from, uh, you know, from, from the website for the film. It says, Christ is the one true head of his church." And we intend to honor that vital truth in all our gatherings for that preeminent reason. We cannot accept and will not bow to the intrusive restrictions government officials now want to impose on our congregation. And so uh, it's remarkable how, uh, I guess, properly situated Grace Church was to take on this battle, um, uh, which was, uh, let's face it, it was a bit of a, a David and Goliath uh but ultimately they won they had, they actually won and that's a brilliant story that's told in the film am i right
0: absolutely and that part is actually in the film as well where that tape is found the tape uh you know he has a sermon minister uh, a sermon ministry called grace to you where all of his sermons are recorded and then distributed and back in the 70s it was distributed through tape so we right. actually find the tape uh from 1975 and play that <laughs> that's um, amazing yeah But here's the interesting thing. Um, I think people see that and they see John MacArthur and they think, oh, all of Grace Church agreed. They were all unanimous. They were all perfectly prepared for this. And um, they instantly made the right decision. And there was no drama, no division. But that's actually not true. And so there was division amongst our elders. There was uh, at, at one point. I mean, I mean, that's John MacArthur got it right in 1975 and then when he did the warning of like okay the government's never said this before and i and i have it in the documentary where he says it's like they're saying a hurricane is going to come and everybody's going to die so obviously we're going to be like well they must know what they're talking about right Uh, Right. and ignorant to what what actually was coming um and so when it was clear that it was not what they said it was and he wanted to open back up you know, he, he can't just do that. He's not the leader of the, he's a leader and he's our, our senior pastor, but we have 40 elders. So 40 right. elders actually act, actually have to become unanimous in their decision. That's how we process. We're an really? elder church and they have to be, yeah. they have to have unanimity in everything they do. And if they don't have wow. it, they have to iron it out until they do. So, and so
1: they, were, they were unanimous in making the decision to stay open then.
0: Correct. They had to become wow. unanimous. But that was a process. So it wasn't just John MacArthur running roughshod, doing whatever he wanted to do. You had to get Mm -hmm. 40 men who actually had various opinions on this matter to all agree. Um, And and there is a process of evolution in their theology. And I actually go into that into the documentary. It's very interesting. So I actually pull back the curtain and you can kind of see that process of how they got to the point of where they became unanimous. And, And it wasn't without cost. They yeah, have awesome elders over this.
1: Yeah, and so I'm sure there was a discussion about Romans 13 and obedience to the state and things like that. Yes. Um, I wonder how that all how that all got worked out so that the, so that they they became unanimous in in standing up to the to the to the government's tyranny.
0: Yeah, um, uh, there we have a pastor called um, his name is Mike Riccardi. And he was kind enough and humble enough to kind of share his evolution on the matter, because he was very much on the uh, we are doing the right thing by shutting down. Um, And um, he tells a story about how a friend of his challenged him and challenged him to look at Romans 13 again and to read some other resources that would help him in his studies. And one of those was Martin Lloyd-Jones. I don't know if you're
1: with him. But, I have heard I have heard of him. Yes. yeah.
0: Martin Lloyd-Jones um, was an amazing preacher in the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can actually still hear some of his sermons on uh, the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust or Foundation. Oh, it's that's a podcast. blessing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But basically they took his sermons on Romans and um, made commentaries out of it. And he has an excellent one on Romans uh, dedicated to Romans 13, the chapter. And um, he talked about how he discovered that the Bible actually teaches that there are spheres of authority, that there is the family sphere, there is the state sphere and that there is the government sphere and that Mm -hmm. they are all ordained by God, but they all work coordinate to one another, not one on top of the other, but all answering to God. Right. And um, so the concept of the separation of church and state comes from the Bible, which is right. which is hilarious because you'll see the atheist going to a courthouse saying we need to remove that statue of the Bible or of the Ten Commandments because this is the I you know, we need to have separation of church and state, and that's showing favoritism. And I'm thinking to myself, that's the only way we know about the separation of church and state. It's actually taught right. in the Bible. So you're removing yeah. the thing that actually gives us what our country is actually based on.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah atheistic oh, wisdom yeah. yeah I mean and in fact the bible does does tell us in in, in many different ways and throughout the Old Testament and the new um, how a proper state is to be set up uh and how it, how it's to be established you know the interesting thing about Romans thirteen and and how it's really it does an injustice to to Christ is that um you know Christ really was not all that interested in the temporal world uh he he came to teach us about about uh, you know the mystical spirituality of of life and to and to give us a personal relationship with god introduce us to that and so you know i i really see that the, this uh, this idea of uh, obedience to the state from that story which really is a <laughs> that when you read that it's that story where you know where christ talks about give unto caesar what is caesar's you know first of all it was a situation of entrapment. Um, and, and so it's a very that story is very contextual and you have to read that carefully, but you know it really reduces Christ very much to uh, a, a level where he he doesn't belong. I mean, uh, if you lo- actually look at the life of Christ, uh, you know, on one view of the matter, you could describe him as a rebel. Uh, he wasn't uh, somebody who who obeyed the state at all. But I don't think that it's it's fair to confine Christ to the temporal world. I think that's a real. Uh, serious misunderstanding and misrepresentation of his ministry. In any case, I want to talk about, get back to the film and talk about, uh, one aspect that we haven't discussed yet. And that is location. I know for a director, this is a huge thing. And so you weren't just filming in California. You actually came to multiple locations in Canada. And also you were over in Scotland, right? In Edinburgh. You want to talk about some of the challenges and the excitement of filming in multiple locations like that
0: yeah first of all i'll I'll start with scotland and scotland is amazing so if you ever have a chance i don't know if you've been there it's i have not yet i'd love Um, to
1: go there yeah
0: and it is beautiful it is a great country but when i um got the opportunity to do this film and i was putting together the pitch and and then when i got that improved writing the script um one of the things that i wanted to make sure was a part of the film was the aspect of church history Right. Um, Because there are parallels in church history with what we went through uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was an interesting parallel. There were actually parallels even in certain days and dates, which if you see the film, you'll see the connection that I make there. It's very interesting. But Mm -hmm. um, that takes us to Scotland because um, one of the things that our statement that we came out with called Christ, not Caesar, Um, When we came out with that on July, well, they voted on July 23rd, and then it was put out July 24th,
1: 2020.
0: Yeah, It references church history, specifically the Covenanters and the Puritans and the Great Ejection. So the Covenanters are Scottish, and that takes us to Scotland. And so I wanted to go there because um, there were certain um, ways that I was going to weave that into the story, and I had a couple interviewees out there. Uh, one gentleman called Ian Hamilton, who's a Scottish um, Presbyterian pastor, um, and I wanted to uh, interview him. And he really is, does an amazing job in telling these stories about the Covenanters, about the Great Ejection. And um, and that's what I, I, I really, as a filmmaker, was excited about this because I, I really leaned into this, the storytelling of that history. So it's not right. just a bunch of academic talking heads. This really is storytelling Um, and um, I love it. I love the opportunity to do that and I was super excited. So I went there and I was filming certain locations at Scotland that um, moves with our story as well as interviewing Ian Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Then of course we went to Canada because another aspect of this film that was very important to me was the global aspect of it. And I thought the best way to represent that was the Canadians and what they went through. Yeah. and I want, I, it's not just about Grace Church. It's about the church. And I right. want to make sure that that's understood historically. That's why we go to the past. And I want to make sure that we're looking at it globally. That's why we went to Canada.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I,
0: what happened there was, I mean, you know, I'm always amazed.
1: I, I, the word I use is appalling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm appalled, amazed, how screwed up Canada is. <laughs> oh. I, I, know. I. I I'm fascinated by it because I would think that they're similar in, you know, we're looking for example, we're trying to distribute this film. We look into Canada and the theaters there. I had no idea that all your theaters are basically controlled by the government. Yes. Cannot get anything into the theater unless you go through the government and they approve what you are saying and that it can be in Canada. I don't know of anything more totalitarian than that because yeah. they get it they're saying we're going to control the storytelling because we mm-hmm. know it's storytelling is what equips people to think yeah. and live their life so we're going to control the stories that are told in canada and that's appalling to right. me anyway yeah. i digress um the church <laughs> was at the feeling the brunt of that totalitarianism in canada and yes and we saw the fruit of that and we we got to see what is really going on up there and mm-hmm. the fact that pastors were imprisoned uh yeah. is i cannot believe that i mean when that was happening yeah. like, what is going on in canada yeah. um so yeah. i mean we were threatened with imprisonment but there was also in the back of our mind let's see him try it they threatened yeah. with us let's see if they have the guts to do it well they did in canada they they had yeah no sure
1: did yeah you know grace church in in uh in stony plain that's james coates's church as you know Uh, Not only was Pastor Coates um, imprisoned and he was held uh, under a condition of bail that he he could not accept, which essentially would violate his religious conscience, would prevent him from preaching the word of God, which is his, his sacred vocation. But the church itself was triple barricaded for months. It was turned into a police barracks for all the world to see. That is a mark of shame that that I don't think uh, will, will ever be removed from, from our nation and from our province of Alberta. And uh, it, it really is truly horrifying. Then, of course, we have Timothy Stevens in Calgary, who, if you can believe it, was imprisoned because he was holding an outdoor church service. He was actually having to move his congregation around to undisclosed, undisclosed locations. And they had a drone follow him around and finally catch him. Um, you know under and 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 arrest him under uh because he you know he violated um the this this draconian order that you could not have uh, you know large gatherings outside. It really is hard to imagine but the scary thing is and uh and, and I hope people will, will get out and see this film is that all of this could happen again. All of the emergency powers that were used in Canada and elsewhere uh, are still in place. I don't know of any government that's that swept them aside. And, uh, and so this danger, you know, still persists if we are not vigilant, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons we made the film. We want to put steel in the veins of Christians around the globe that when this happens again, they think about, no, the church is not the government's jurisdiction. They don't yes. control the polity of the church. They don't control, um, how we worship. They don't have any say in that. Um, and individuals, quite frankly, are smart enough to figure out what they need to do medically. The church is not the police of that, uh, right. the government. So right. um, anyway, yeah, that's the point of the film to, to put steel in the veins of those folks. And, you know, you mentioned um, how they barricaded the church and they were going to secret locations. And I mentioned earlier that there's a parallel in church history. Well, during the Great Ejection there were over 2,000 ministers ejected from their pulpit because they would not submit. Really? Yeah. They would not submit to the guidelines that the state was telling them how to do church. Right. And some of those guidelines weren't necessarily bad. They were mm-hmm. kind of amoral. It wasn't like, you know, you could or couldn't do it. The Bible didn't for necessarily forbid it, but what the Bible doesn't say is that the government has the right, the state has the right to be the head of the church. Only Christ is the head of the church, not the government. So the very idea that they were saying, we're gonna be the head of the church, uh, the king, the monarchy, which essentially is the state is going to run the church. Um, We can't just hand that over. And they were ejected from their pulpits because of that conviction. And get this, they started to have secret church, just like the Canadians, but the government recognized that some of these people were having secret church. So they made a law called the Conventicle Act on the Conventicle Act forbid people gathering past a certain number, if that sounds familiar to you. Yeah, it sure does. And only family members and non-family members couldn't meet with you. So if you had a oh, gathering yeah. over a certain amount of people and they were non-family members, you were breaking the law. So wow. isn't that an interesting parallel that the government was trying to control the church through that as well or just the gathering of it? And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, that's that's so fascinating. Yeah. And there's lots of parallels like that with the Book of Common Prayer and the guidelines and, and what happened with the whole concept mm-hmm. of the, you know, Christians in the 1600s had to flesh out the concept of why they could tell the state, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. And they had to flesh it out biblically because they're Christians. They wanted to be true to the Bible. So they had yeah. to biblically flesh out those concepts of why we can say that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, like the Bible says to, you know, for the wife to submit to the husband, but the Bible doesn't say for the wife to submit to the husband when the husband does something he's not supposed to be doing. It doesn't say, <laughs> you know, submit to his sin and disobey God. It doesn't right. say, you know, so they're, they're obviously there obviously is a qualifier there. We're yeah. called to submit to the government. But if the government is doing something they should, not we know they're not supposed to be doing, like trying to take over the church. We don't submit to them in that, obviously. Right it's yeah. not a blanket submission just like it wouldn't be a blanket submission to the wife to her husband you yeah. know so no.
1: yeah
0: it's a similar
1: thing one of the things that that unfolded you know there's the old adage that you know what 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 the devil does for evil the lord turns 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 for good and one of the incredible things that's happened uh, that's come out of uh, you know the COVID 19 lockdowns is that um, although it's it's saddening and concerning that so many churches, you know, just rolled over and submitted to government tyranny and closed their churches down. The, the churches that stood up, the ones like Pastor Coates and Pastor Stevens and others, um, th- that they have attracted so many people to their churches. I know from speaking to Pastor Coates that the size of his congregation has, has tripled uh, in the aftermath of this. And I think it's a sign that you know really people are are hungry for the truth. Uh, they want to be part of a congregation uh, like yours, where you know the the, the teaching is scriptural, and that, that there is an understanding that Christians are born and we're endowed with freedom uh, that comes from God and not from the state, and that our rights cannot be you know revoked uh, and 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 and. and and given out willy nilly like like so much candy in a store by by our rulers by our earthly rulers and so uh, to me this is an encouraging sign that people are hungry for for the truth and and you know these pastors these brave pastors who stood up the kind that are documented in your film you know their their churches are growing Uh, they're growing exponentially so that i mean to me this is a really encouraging sign would you agree Uh, absolutely And the churches that shut down really missed
0: an opportunity to let their light shine for Christ. They really missed an opportunity. Um, There's a story, um, a testimony in in the documentary of a gentleman in Canada who um, he, he woke up in the hospital. He had a stroke and he woke up in the middle of COVID and then eventually went home. But everything was shut down. He suffered with depression. He started suffering with alcoholism. And everything was shut down and he's on the verge now, he's in this dark place where he's considering suicide. And he hears on the news that Tim Stevens Church is open, this little Baptist church in Calgary. And he says, well, you know what, I'm gonna go there. What else do I, what what do I got to lose? And um, he went there, he heard the gospel. He heard that the, the whole truth that he is a sinner, depraved that he is in need of atonement that it's christ who is that does that atoning work full and complete for him and he repented and believed in christ the son of god and now he's a christian he's no longer an alcoholic and he has hope so if the church if tim Stevens' church shut down that wouldn't have happened you can't shut down the church in the midst of the darkest moment in history that's when the church is supposed to shine uh, you can't go along with the darkness. You have to stay alert and awake and gather together and be the salt and light that the church is supposed to be so that that individual can go and and hear the word of God and be changed um, by the word of God. So that's an amazing thing that, you know, there are testimonies like that towards the end of the film that I cover. He's not the only one, but absolutely I mean, the numbers that they have now, I think Tim Stevens' church tripled in size.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, And they're a tiny little church. Um, That's because he stayed open. And now people heard biblical preaching, which they weren't hearing before. And and a lot of them were going to a different church. But because that church was open, they're like, well, I'm going to visit that church. And that happened with us. I mean, we had... 80 to a hundred people a month for at least two years. And I think it's still happening today of new members. It's
1: incredible. Incredible.
0: So at uh, that yeah. time in LA, you know, all the churches were shut down and then they're hearing about grace, community church, grace, community church. And they're like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, uh, visit that church and check it out. And yeah. see if, it's, if, if I like it. And they yeah. went there and they heard expository preaching and a lot of them never left. Yeah. Uh, and but- our, Church, you no know, many people left. We actually gained in size, and we we had like a new ministry for people, lots of new believers, and it was actually it brought a lot of life into the church. I, I thought it was yeah. fascinating.
1: That's that's wonderful to hear. You know, Timothy Stevens is another example of uh, really a very brilliant man and so courageous. I know, in part of the film, there's a there's a documentation of you know, the, the day when he's arrested by the Calgary police and his six children are all just so distraught and, and crying and, and wailing. And he handles himself with such great Christian dignity. You know, he's not rude or belligerent with the police officers. He goes away, you know, peacefully, but, but in, a, in, a, in a dignified way. And, uh, you know, he showed such great leadership. I'm not surprised that, that, that people are, are identifying with him uh, and you know and and with his his message because uh, he really is a remarkable person I was very honored to get to know him and uh, and, and you know same goes for you know for James Coates. and I know that uh, those are just two stories that are in the film I'm sure there are many more and that um, this 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 film the, the essential church is going to document all that for posterity and who knows um, the people who see the film uh, if it reaches them, uh, you know these churches may in fact grow and grow. That that's probably part of the idea. Uh, certainly, the I, I would think that was part of your goal in making the film. Am I right?
0: Yeah. Um, in fact, there you know we can't have it in theaters in Canada. Like I said, the the totalitarian aspect of Canada has, owns the theaters, so it's it's very difficult for us to be in the theaters in Canada at this moment. But it will be released on Blu-ray and DVD. So. Um, okay. If people want to support us by purchasing those DVDs and Blu-rays, that's how Canadians can watch it as well. Even though we won't right. be in out there, and
1: and they can learn more about the film by visiting the the, the website. Right there's a, the dot Is that the correct uh, it's website a, name? Essential Church Movie, essentialchurchmovie
0: dot And the you can put your email in there, and you'll get updated on everything that's going on with the film, and yeah. learn about how you could. Purchase the DVD or Blu-ray, or what theaters or churches near you um, that you can go and see the film. Yeah.
1: There's a couple of great trailers on there as well for people to watch. I I know I visited the website. I learned a lot about about the movie from from doing that. So I encourage people to do that. Um, this is the, the the part of the program we have uh, that's called the reading list, uh, Shannon and and uh, so um, I'm I'm, I'm going to go first and give you a couple minutes to kind of collect your thoughts and and uh it doesn't have to be a, a book it might be a, a another documentary film or a part of scripture or something like that that you think would uh you know advance people's understanding of some of the things that we've been talking about or maybe gain a deep in, a deeper understanding of your film um so i've got a couple of books here that i've pulled from the uh, impressive and deep library of john macarthur uh, these are two that I have read, folks, there are many, many more. This man has been a prolific uh, preacher and evangelist and writer. Uh, but one of his books is called uh, Right Thinking in a World Gone Wrong. And uh, so this book is is really trying to help people understand, to to face the greatest challenges facing Christians today, which is the powerful influence of secular thinking. Uh, From all directions, we're fed a constant barrage of persuasive yet unbiblical worldviews, some of which became very prevalent during the lockdowns. Uh, This makes it difficult to know where to stand on today's most talked about issues. And so this book, uh, the leadership team at Grace Community Church, along with Pastor John MacArthur, provide much needed discernment and clarity in the midst of rampant confusion and again, as, as our guest said, using the Bible as the foundation this book will teach you how to develop a Christian perspective on key issues such as political activism, which we've talked about, the environment, the cult of celebrity, and others. So uh, that's one of our books. The second one, which is kind of a companion to it, is called Stand Firm, another John MacArthur book. And here uh, he talks about how the Christian life is a war for holiness. Uh, our calling is to be, is to be set apart, uh, lands us in the crosshairs of A culture that opposes God's truth, even as the world around us is changing, our battle remains the same to withstand the temptation to compromise in sin or retreat from suffering. And the lockdowns are really uh, very much about that, as we talked about with our guest today. So Christians must hold fast to God's word. Only then can we live well for the word. And in this book, uh, uh, Dr. MacArthur drafts uh, a biblical battle plans for maintaining a life of Christian faithfulness. And how God has revealed what kind of people we are to be in a hostile world, and by His Word and Spirit, He supplies us with everything we need, persevering holiness, humility, and love. So again, those are just two selections from His vast library, but I recommend them, uh, you know, strongly to to our viewers and listeners. So, Shannon, do you have some ideas, uh, some books that have touched you that you think would be, or or some other? Um, uh, resources that uh, you think would be helpful or useful to our viewers in getting a better understanding of the topics that we've been covering today and especially that are uh, that are that are featured in your film
0: yeah uh i got a few of them swimming through my head right now um i'll give you um just as far as foundational christian fundamental of what a christian is or what the gospel is um my pastor wrote a book I think it was maybe one of his first books or close to it one of his big most successful books it's called a Go- the gospel according to Jesus right I think every Christian should read that I think everybody like everybody should read it. if you're not a Christian it's the gospel according to Jesus that was instrumental in um my walk with Christ right and without a strong walk with Christ and under understanding what true Christianity is Um, you're just flopping around like a fish and you don't know what you're doing. Um, you need, if you want to actually be effective, you, you need to know who Christ is. Um, and gospel according to Jesus is fantastic book. So I recommend that the other book, I'll, I'll recommend a new and an old book. If I can remember the old book's name, but the new book is called resisting tyranny by Tim Cantrell. Right, And it was written um, during the COVID or right after it. It's accumulation of different essays. And um, I just thought it was an excellent book when it talks about, it kind of summarizes a lot of different arguments that a Christian would need in understanding why it would be okay for them to open up their church. Um, And I thought that that was um, a, a more modern book that is very digestible for anybody to read. Another book that I is in my mind is um are you familiar with samuel rutherford yes Uh, yeah so i believe he was in the late 1500s when he wrote his book and i believe it's called lex rex correct Uh, um and uh that goes through the idea of why the law is king lex rex rex lex right The king is law would be Rex Lex. He says Lex Rex, which is the law is king, not the king is law. And that is a Christian principle. That's what I was Mm -hmm. talking about earlier. That comes from the Bible. So Mm -hmm. it's fascinating. The more I leaned into church history and learned about that, I realized that, you know, we would always say America is built on a Judeo-Christian worldview. That's how we designed our government, which is true. But I didn't really understand like the depth of how it came about, because people hundreds of years before that had to work these these biblical concepts out and even died for them. Yes. Um, and they had to work that out. And it's on the blood of those people, those martyrs, that we actually understood those truths. And it was just perfect timing that it's fresh in the pa- our patriarch's minds of how they're designing this government and they can they understand the biblical concepts and why it's important even yes. if they weren't necessarily a true believer they were so influenced by yeah. Christians on um, the church being the church and doing what the church is supposed to do and obey Jesus and understand what they're supposed to do biblically even when it comes to government and fleshing mm-hmm. that out is what actually puts us puts America where it is
1: yes you know? and, and historically and and in terms of uh, you know being a a bulwark for freedom, which it has been for yeah. a very a very very long time And I believe it continues to be but you know you're so right, and um, this is a constant Tension that goes back a very long way uh, I just I wrote a a, a paper recently on you know, the rule of law versus uh, you know versus rule by law and uh, even when you go back as far into England as uh, the old evil king john uh who ruled by will he he's he basically and and when you go back and you, and you look at you know at the time of king john you know he did a lot of the things to the english people that were done to us during lockdowns you know really uh separated the 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 you know the people from from their church they they couldn't uh, they couldn't have marriages or funerals or baptisms or you know things of that nature and uh, you know what, what? came out of that was was the Magna Carta, which is sort of the, the you know the beginning pillar of of freedom. And the the framers of the American Constitution were obviously reaching back to documents like you know like the Magna Carta. But this is a constant tension going on because there's an evil in the hearts of men, which is talked about a lot in, first in the Bible and in the Gospels about sort of this desire for the insatiable desire for power. And that that is always coming into conflict with our freedom and our and our responsibility um, because and, and again that gets into this tension between our need for security and our desire to be free and and how those conflict with each other and uh, you know that's a huge part of what, it, what of course what Christ talks about in his ministry so those those selections sound really fascinating I thank you for them Shannon. yeah um, if people want to learn more about you and what you're doing and donate uh, to the creation of of more films, like the ones that you're working on, how would they do that?
0: Yeah, um, I think there, you can get all of that at the website Essential Church Movie. There's a actually donate button, I think. I think it's on the homepage. So if you'd like to donate to um, Grace Productions, we're a department of Grace Community Church, but it's basically the church. So it's um, tax deductible. I don't know how that works in Canada. Maybe it doesn't. Um, it does. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you would be giving to that and yeah, it would it be, it would be a great help for us for the yeah. future of different productions yeah. that we would like to do um, similar yeah. to this.
1: Well, it's important for people to understand, you know, these, um, these films don't get made by accident. Uh, you know, they're expensive to produce and, and to distribute. And so, uh, you know, if you really want to make your dollars count and you want to support a, a, a really wonderful Christian ministry, this is an opportunity to do that. Uh, so I encourage people to check that out, and, and to donate so that uh, the, you know films like the Essential Church can get made and distributed because that's a big part of of the ministry that I know that we all we all support and want to support. Speaking of support, I'm going to put put in a bit of a plug here. You know, folks, um, uh, you know people like uh, like me and and Shannon uh, who are on a certain side of the case. Um, you know, there's, there, there's a cost that, that's paid for the, work, for the work that we do. And uh, if you want to support businesses and, and causes that represent your values, then you need to think carefully about where your money is going. And uh, for example, speaking of, of my law firm, Grey Woke, Woke Spencer LLP, um, we want your business and uh, we're grateful for it. And you know, a, a lot of people, if you need a lawyer, uh, we encourage you to, to contact us, we'll treat you well, we're a full service law firm and as I say, we reflect your values. A lot of, a lot of people don't understand that, for example, many of the, of the bigger law firms in the United States and Canada were fully on song with the government narrative on COVID and, uh, for, for example, imposed very severe uh, vaccine mandates on their employees and laid off many of their employees. So if, if, you're, if you're with one of those big firms right now and you're having them do work for you, understand that's what you're supporting. So I think it's very important for us as Christians to understand where our dollars are going and to support causes that reflect our values. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. We're grateful for your support. And we want to thank everyone for being with us today, especially our guest, uh, Shannon Halliday. Uh, Shannon, we're so grateful for you uh, to take the time to be with us. We know you're very busy getting ready for the premiere of the movie, uh, but uh, you know, God bless you for the work that you're doing in creating these wonderful films. Uh, and uh, we wish you much. Continued success in all the work that you're that you're doing uh, on behalf of of Grace Church and really uh, uh, on behalf of Christians everywhere. So, thanks very much for being our special guest today.
0: Well, thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. I loved it. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for representing uh, Coates and Stevens and helping them and uh, ha- doing this show and doing what you guys are doing up there in Canada. It's, it's greatly needed.
1: Well, thank you, Shannon. It was a pleasure talking with you again. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll get a chance to come up and visit us again in, in Canada sometime uh, when you're making another movie.
0: I hope so. I'd love to. All right. Thank you, sir. All right. Take care.